Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast is an edited recording of our Sunday morning service from February 4th, 2024. For news and information, and to find out how to join us, please visit stjamesleith.org.uk. Good morning again, and good morning to everyone at home. If we just give them a wave and welcome them to our service, uh, as always. So, uh, our theme today is, I think Robert's going to carry on the, looking at the theme of story, is rumours of love, and we look forward to hearing uh, Robert later on in the service. So, if we start in our usual way, singing bowl will ring, and we have a moment's quiet to prepare our hearts and minds and Jamie's going to light the candle here in church and invite those at home also to light their candle to connect what's happening here in our service with all the churches that are going on in people's homes. So let's pray. God of light and love, in this very moment, the star still beckons. Gather us and let the star call us in new ways of healing and hope, restoration and renewal, as we discover again Christ's call to discipleship. Amen. Please stand for our opening song, Let Us Build a House Where Love Can Dwell and All Can Safely Live. Yeah. 
God of all nations revealed to us by the wise men. Forgive us when we feel fear of the other. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Forgive us when we do not make the effort to journey to the end, but give up disheartened. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Forgive us when we do not lay our gifts down, but want to keep them to ourselves. Lord, have mercy. Lord, Forgive us for being people who choose to walk in darkness. Help us to turn to your revealing light so we may recognize you as being here among us today and always. Amen. The first reading is from Proverbs and it's a reading about wisdom and understanding. Does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, when he had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil. When he established the heavens, I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. The Gospel this morning is taken from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Glory to Christ our Saviour. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. 
the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his, his own and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him and believed in his name, he gave great power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived amongst us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the gospel, good news for all. Holy One, may these words be energized by your spirit. And may they take root in us as we live our stories in the grace and illumination of the story. Amen. So my reflection this morning is really only indirectly about our readings. And I'm assured that that was tickety-boo for today. Um, but our readings are perfect because in them we see a number of uh, elements that, is used, uh, that are used in storytelling, right? Personification, anthropomorphism, allegory, metaphor, simile, all of these glorious things that storytellers use to great effect. So instead, my reflection today is based on a book, this book, Gospel Rumors of Love by Simon Park. My spiritual director gave me this. And uh, she says to me, great read, buckle up. <laughs> Words exactly. It reads like a diary written in the first person by Jesus and others such as Peter, herein called Rocky, of course, and Mary of Magdala. They uh, take turns recounting their own experience of journeying with Yeshua called Yesh by his friends. In that sense, it's kind of a meta-narrative. It's a story about a story. And because it's written in the first person, there is this immediacy, attention, a gravitas. And Park dares to take us inside the very thoughts of Jesus in real time as he goes about his daily activities, battling Pharisees, praying in the hills, as he's feeling something inside him healing or teaching or weeping with others. So most would admit that they understand most clearly when they're told a story. It is certainly that way with me. And stories are most effective when told in the first person, the storyteller telling their own story. In this book, Park is bold enough to let Jesus, Mary of Magdala, Jude or Judas, Rocky, Peter, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Pilate, Herod, and others speak in their own words as they experience life together in ancient Palestine. But first, some context. There are good reasons why so many of us love the Psalms and the Gospels more than other biblical literature. They both perform a similar function. They give to us voices. 
They enthrall us with stories, drawing us deeper into situations than mere history or sermon can do. They captivate through interactions and emotions of everyday people. For example, the Psalms pray and sing our experiences of God. Through them, we are given opportunity to speak to God in our own voices, with our own words, not always pretty words, Happy and joyous words, yes, but also angry, discouraged, dissident, dissociative, even dissing words. People are either praising God or shouting at God. Equally, in the Psalms, we're given such permission. And the Gospels tell us about Jesus, the word that God was hinting at all along, what God really looks like, self sacrificing love. Not an angry, vengeful, dismissive God so prevalent in ancient polytheistic societies, but a God who loves and learns, laughs and lingers, sleeps and weeps, heals and hinders, proclaims and prays. Real stuff. Now Psalm 104, which we chose not to read this morning, is not a theology lesson. You may recall the psalm. It's 35 verses, basically, of open-mouthed wonder. Awestruck, the poet versifies their joy at observing the natural world. Similarly, John's gospel, specifically this chapter we read this morning, is a mystical exploration of everything the law, the prophets, and the writings were pointing to. Logos, God's first and last word, Alpha and Omega. Jesus has God's living sermon about what love looks like. But we tame and domesticate this word made flesh, bringing it back into words, don't we? I've often said that unless you grow speechless at an attempt to describe your first kiss, the birth of your first child, or the death of a parent, you may not have been paying attention. Such is the power of our lives, which only story can capture. We would do well to mimic Jesus' love for storytelling, for question and answer, for active engagement with the least of these. Ian articulated this well in his vision statement at AGM this past Sunday. He pointed us to the twins of story and journey. Stories are not mere proclamations. They're malleable, and they paint for us a picture of reality that is kaleidoscopic and inhabitable. We can enter into it. Stories welcome everyone within earshot to find their place inside it, a place that can change over time. Stories are more than just facts. They play on our imaginations. They challenge our preconceptions, our perspectives, our perceptions, but in ways that are delightfully disarming, engaging. They keep us on our heels a bit. They don't tell truth, they show it, placing universal truths into the lives and words of characters in situations that milk the intended meaning. J.K. Rowling could easily have written two words to encapsulate all seven Harry Potter novels. 
Love wins. Done. Billionaire. <laughs> or consider this. Two couples sit together at a dinner party and then ask each person to write an account of that same party and what happens. Exactly. Four similar but different versions of what occurred. Why? Because in stories, even personal eyewitness narratives with actual people and places, we're dealing with so much more than facts. We're talking about perceptions of a shared reality. No one is wrong, but taken together, they build a picture. So all of that to say this, what if we, like Simon Park, could take the risk of an imaginative journey inside Jesus' own mind? And in true Ignatian fashion, we get to be a fly on the wall of some gospel setting where Jesus is speaking or healing or jousting with the religious leaders of the day. The, the very short portion I'm about to read is a kind of retrospective. Jesus is looking back at the first time he saw King Herod's boastful palace at Machaerus and remembers his own baptism at the hands of John. He's recounting these things. So as I read, I'm going to invite all of us to enter into a kind of deep Lectio Divina. Let's inhabit the very thoughts of Jesus himself as he experiences the world around him, as he comes to terms with God's call upon him. Perhaps we will hear something new and fresh, something that unearths God's call on us. And in it all, hear something of the gospel, rumors of love. Let's take a centering moment before I read. I stand amazed, truly, there is nothing like this in Nazareth, perhaps nothing like this in Israel. I had heard, but I had not seen, and there's both fear and awe as I behold the fortress at Machaerus. Three ravines fall away from this monster. They plunge down into darkness, ravines as deep as hell. No enemy could take this. And how was it built? How was such a quantity of stone brought to this place? You can only build what you can carry, my father would say, and a whole quarry has been carried here. As the rich are wont to pray, we give thanks for our gold and our food, but most of all for our slaves. Giant walls grow from the rock, high corner towers throw shadow on all who approach. Yes, the fortress of Machaerus is a beast, and inside it is Herod the Great's slippery turd of a son, Antipas. I call him Herod the Great, but Herod the Great was only great for builders. He served the stonemasons well, turning Israel into Rome. He built everything, fortresses here in Machaerus and Antonia, in Jerusalem, aqueducts, theaters, whole cities, Tiberias, Caesarea, Sepphoris, each 
a little Rome in Galilee, each an invasion, each the dilution of faith that Zebedee laments. So he was a Herod applauded by every builder who could close his eyes and hold his well-paid nose. And good for wedding planners as well. Ten wives, they say. Israel counts his wives like they count the rashes on a leper. He murdered one of them. This is known. Her name was Miriamne, though no one remembers the name. He killed her two sons as well because power destroys the soul. Power reveals a man, said my father, and Herod the Great deserves another name. The rich find happiness impossible. This is apparent to me, and maybe my father knew. They seize but cannot let go. They protect what is theirs but cannot receive life. They force others down that they might further rise. And this is not living. I see what occurs. It would be easier to gallop a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to find happiness. But standing here now, it is the dead baptizer who haunts me, not the dead Herod. We finally met, me and my sort of cousin, at the Jordan River. It was hardly a family affair. He took hold of my head and pushed it deep beneath the water, too deep. And he held it down with rough hands, longer than he needed, longer than is good for a cousin. I was gasping, drowning, and then released. I pushed up for air, choking. I came up into the sunlight with a mouthful of mud, but a different heart. A heart cleansed in some manner, or refreshed like wood stripped for purpose. And I felt the light through me, as if I was one with the light of the sun, both old light and new. And so it was that John the baptizer, my sort of cousin, took me out of Nazareth. Though we did not speak much by the water, he pushed me away. He did not want me near. May God give you courage, he said but with such sadness in his eyes. I call for repentance, which disturbs, but you bring light, which the darkness will curse. I did not understand. I somehow imagined that light would always be welcome. Would you not think so? How could it be otherwise? Why would light not be welcomed with joyful cries and excited gasps? Let there be light. But as I see his sadness and feel his warning again here at Machaerus, where John ended in bloody murder, so I begin. I am 30 years of age, and I begin again. And there is energy in beginnings. Amen. This morning, when I say, Eternal God, who takes delight in those who believe in you, can you respond, help us to hope and trust in your unfailing love. 
eternal God, who takes delight in those who believe in you, help us to hope and trust in your unfailing love. So let's pray. Loving God, you have told us to pray at all times and for all people, making our requests with thanksgiving. So we come to you today to thank you for your love, which is unconditional and for all people, and for your grace, which goes beyond anything that we could imagine. Creator God, you made all things through love. You spoke with authority, and life sprang into being. You made us in your wonderful image to be stewards of your world. Forgive us when we have failed to reflect you, when we have lived selfishly, putting our own needs above those of others, or when we have misused or polluted creation, or when we have acted in a way that has caused distress and hurt. Help us to reflect you by being faithful guardians of your creation, by showing love and concern for the world. May our actions inspire others to look after your world better also. Eternal God, who takes delight in those who believe in you, help us to hope and trust in your unfailing love. Loving God, we hold before you all the nations of the world, particularly those in conflict and unrest. Bring justice where injustice rules. Give strength to the struggling and hope to the hopeless. Grant vision and insight to those with a heart to change things for the better. Heal what is hurting and restore what has been broken. Holy One, we pray for your world and its peoples with all their needs, questions and longings. We struggle to understand the reasons behind the many inhumane acts of violence that have occurred over recent months and days. And yet we know that even in such events, your love is shown in the acts of bravery, selflessness and compassion that follow. <clears throat> we pray for all who suffer in such dreadful circumstances and for those who provide medical and community support and eventually, hopefully, take part in the long task of reconstruction of those communities. In a moment of silence, please pray for any country or countries that you are concerned about today. Eternal God, who takes delight in those who believe in you, help us to hope and trust in your unfailing love. Holy One, we pray for all who are sick in body, mind or spirit, that Jesus may be a light to them in their darkness and shine through the care of medicine, family and friends. So in a moment of silence, please pray for one person that you know 
who needs God's healing touch today. Almighty God, we ask you to draw close to all of those mentioned so that they may be aware of your healing presence. And we ask you to provide your peace and comfort for them at this time. Caring God, we also pray for those in need in our own community, the elderly, the housebound, those in care homes, hospitals and hospices, for the homeless, the marginalised and the addicted. We thank you for the work and devotion of those who care about and for them. We thank you for those who lo whose love and compassion bring both material and spiritual comfort in times of their need. Eternal God, who takes delight in those who believe in you, help us to hope and trust in your unfailing love. Everlasting God, send us out into your world, renewed by our worship and strengthened by your love and by each other, so that we may be a witness to the good news of Jesus and bring healing and re <coughs> reconciliation to our wounded world. Help us to see hope in the most desperate situations, to uphold the value of others in our words and actions, to see the potential you see in each of your children. Help us to know and respond to your guiding hand in our lives and help us to listen to each other's stories. Eternal God, who takes delight in those who believe in you, help us to hope and trust in your unfailing love. Thank you, Cam, for those prayers and Robert for your reflection. May I invite you now to stand for the peace. God has made us one in Christ. He has set his seal upon us and loves us as sons and daughters and has given the spirit to dwell in our hearts. So the peace of the Lord be with you always and those at home. So let us offer one
Loving God, we thank you for feeding us at your table. And we thank you for feeding us with your word and your stories. Lord Jesus, that you told that are so rich and so powerful, that comfort us and challenge us. So we ask that you would continue to open them up afresh to us, that we would continue to learn about the big story and continue to listen to one another's story within that. So we ask that you, as you have fed us, we would go out and be food for others. Amen. We are blessing each other um, with a peace blessing. Uh, that many people around the world say salam alaikum, which means peace be with you, and we're going to do it the usual way. So call and response, I'll sing salam alaikum. You affirm what I'm saying by saying hoya, and then I do it again, and then we can do some actions. May peace be in our heart, may peace be in our home, may peace be in our land, may peace be in our world. Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. May peace be in our hearts. May the grace of God uphold you, the peace of God surround you, the love of God flow from you, and the strength of God protect you. Amen. Let us go in peace. We go into the world to walk in God's light, to rejoice in God's love, and to reflect God's glory. Amen. Amen.